Welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back after an absolutely bejeweled round of A-League women's action. We cannot wait to get stuck into it, talk about all the things that have been happening. We've got obviously a massive episode coming up. We've got massive week coming up with the Tilly's Olympic qualifiers just around the corner. So there is plenty to talk about and we absolutely can't wait to get stuck in. Before we do though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian Wilkes, Sam Lewis, and Anna Harrington. So, friends... Let's begin with some you love to see it. Sam, you can keep yourself today. What did you love to see? I always love to see Serena Bolden this day and age, uh, whether it's for uh, for her club, whether it's for the Newcastle Jets, whether it's for a country, the Philippines. But I particularly love to see Serena Bolden scoring a hat trick, um, especially against Brisbane Raw for some reason. I don't know. I just I feel like Brisbane Raw kind of deserve it at this point. Serena Bolden scoring a hat-trick in their 3-0 win against Brisbane. It was fabulous. It was three goals that take her, I think, to second on the Golden Boot ladder now. She's now 11 goals in 12 games. Sensational. Also, considering how late she was signed. Um, I loved the second goal in particular. The the through ball from Lorena Bolden was just pinpoint. It was so beautiful. Um, And I just like her overwhelming joy whenever she scores a goal. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like she never imagined that this could ever happen to her in her whole life. Yet she's done it 11 times. You know, every time she's like, what? Me? Oh, no, you're going to be kidding. Oh, my gosh. It's just the best. Serena Bolden in general, but Serena Bolden's hat trick this weekend. You love to see it. Joy and good goals. We absolutely love to see. I love to see Brisbane Raw catching strays from Sam <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> you know what? You should be better than this, Brisbane. You should be better, but you're not. So you're gonna you're gonna be in the crosshairs. I'm sorry. That's a message to the city of Brisbane as well. <laughs> Melbourne and Sydney may have our differences, <laughs> but at least we know we're not number three. <laughs> sorry to all of our Queensland listeners. Please come back um, when we release another episode. I'm going to quickly jump in with a you love to see it. You'll be shocked to learn it was the Grace Mar Olympico. We absolutely love to see an Olympico on this podcast. There was like no wind seemingly at City Vista Reserve. I was looking at the um the corner flag while Grace Mar is taking this corner and it was not moving. So that was all Grace Mar, baby. You cannot credit the wind with that one at all. Um, And it was absolutely stunning. Loved her little like jump and fist pump at the end as well. So the Grace Mar Olympico, I simply love to see it. But Angela, what did you love to see from this weekend? There were so many good goals this weekend and I think also like um this isn't my love to say it but a shout out to the set piece takers in the dub I think you did a really good job this weekend there were a lot of good goals that came from um free kicks and from corners uh I love to see the the build up to victory's first goal in their 4-0 win over the Western Sydney Wanderers um it just like it just tickles my brain I don't know because uh basically Western Sydney went to play short balls out of the back and chids just swarms in and is like and her pressure uh like kind of created forced uh collins the goalkeeper to turn into weinert who just kind of like bombed in and scored wasn't a pretty goal but i really like enjoyed kind of seeing the it pay off in in real time like what they were trying to do with the high press there with chids um and yeah, and then the celebration, they did a little jig. It was real cute. Uh, so yeah, I love to see that. There was lots of good things to see in this game though. So uh, maybe Harrow, you want, I'll share in you the ball. Is that the phrase? Sharon the ball. Hand no, ball it's definitely Sharon. not. Sharon is the ball. Sharon is the ball. Sharon is Karen. Sharon oh is God. Karen. <laughs> That's enough of this sport chat on this podcast. Thank you very much. I know you're all from Melbourne, but this you've reached your quota already. <laughs> okay, I'm about I'm to lose Sam it. Sharon is Karen. Because Angela certainly doesn't. Um. No. <laughs> it's not a football, and if it's not a handball, I'd... not for me. Anyway. Anyway. 
There's something for everyone to process. Take that in. We love to see that buck goal. Harrow, please bring us back to our reality here. What did you love to see from Uh, this weekend? I mean, you can't go past the Emily Gilnick bomb of a goal, can you? Like, um, I thought it was so appropriate. She obviously scored a brace that on the night where Sophie Harding from the Wanderers is celebrating a very deserved Matilda's call-up. It's the striker at the other end that just runs riot. And um, Emily Gilnick's first goal I, I did enjoy, the header. It felt like a very striker's header. And she's that's been one of the criticisms on her game. Maybe that she's more like a tall winger than a striker. Um, but... She really did play like a striker, but in, uh, in this game was fantastic. But it's not all about the second goal. There's the clearance. She picks it up um, just inside. I think it's just inside her own half. It's basically in lo- cuts inside. It's basically in line with the centre circle still. Sees Kaylee Collins of her line and just unleashes. And it's this wonderfully struck. And Emily Gilnick is a fantastic striker of the ball with both feet. I think people forget this sometimes. Um, and she's just timed it to perfection. And the way... I think the way it dips, you see the great thing in the broadcast vision is you see all the teammates sort of realise before Emily Gilnick that it's going to go in and then it nestles and the place just goes nuts. Um, There's a lot of carry on. Like she got um, Waters and Gatorade dunked on her as well when she went to do a, a post-match interview. Um, but it was it was really lovely because she's been through, really been through it in terms of injuries, you know, um, hasn't ne- when she's been fit, she hasn't necessarily really been in the picture too much with the Matildas over the past couple of years. Um, I still think this Olympic qualifier set probably came a little bit too early for her. Um, she's been building fitness. Victor had been so patient with her, which I think is really good. Um, and it's starting to bear fruit now, right? And when you score a goal like that, it just reminds everyone of your quality. Um, and although she's not with the Matildas right now, if she keeps playing like this, you'd have to think sooner or later she's back into calculation. So, yeah, Emily Gilnick unleashing that goal. You love to see it. Angela, what was your view of that goal? You were at the ground. Uh, I turned around halfway through the ball midair and saw it kind of plop <laughs> into the goal. So that was that was enjoyable. I was yapping on the sideline with my friends and someone was like, yeah. <laughs> like seeing a shooting star. It's beautiful. <laughs> Oh, a brief mention as well. I think it was Kyle Simon's first goal um, since her yeah, various I for- injuries. I, was say, I forgot to mention that. Um, for the Mariners, really nicely taken header. Just if we're talking about strikers mm-hmm. reminding everyone they can do, I'm not sure there's anyone that has had a more frustrating journey for herself or for everyone watching on than um, than Kyle Simon. So I imagine uh, having finally got on the pitch a couple of weeks ago, it would have been a pretty rewarding feeling to, to bury one in. Yeah, in real striker style, that, that header as well for Kai Simon. So, yeah, strikers scoring. You love to see it. We absolutely do. And what a time for them to be doing it in the kind of wider context of the Tillies. I feel like especially for Gilnick, the, the dominoes are cascading in a line kind of vibe where, like, she's loving life at victory. She's doing well under Jeff Hopkins. The Tillies need a, a striker, someone who can kind of play as a nine. Everything's just falling into place for her. But um, obviously we will talk about Kaya Simon and that Central Coast win a little bit later on. We need to start with Melbourne victory for Western Sydney nil. Are the Vuck back? That's the question. This, that, you can um, answer that. Uh, you can never just go off one game and say, yeah, you're back. Um, because I think... I think there's two factors to this game. One, victory, sensational. Two, I thought the Wanderers turned in a shocker. Some of the defending for headers, like the Gilnick one, great header, powerful header, but there's about four people it gets through. How are none of you desperate enough to throw your body in front of it? I think would have been the conversation in the Wanderers room. The um, Mackenzie Winant first goal um, that Angela talked about, great pressure, but your goalkeeper's got to be more composed than that. I think she'll look at that. And the second one ahead of Webb, Morrison heads it, um, keepers there, defenders there. And I, I like that Wynant put a body on the line because it would have been so easy to be like, oh, what if I'm offside and I'm going to rob my teammate of a goal? But her positioning was good enough. She was kept onside, um, obviously, because it had been a set piece. Um, and, yeah, I think you have to take into that. But that said, victory were were fantastic. Um, I love the set piece delivery from Kellen Knight. Um, she had one assist and... It was almost like she had the secondary assist as well for the 
the McKenzie header I just mentioned before. Yeah, I think this was a, a vastly improved performance, a clean sheet. Um, Chidiak looked lively. We've talked oh, ad nauseum about things not necessarily clicking for victory. I think it was a really big um, Mackenzie Warnett scoring like two goals. She hadn't scored in eight games at that point. Um, it was just really important in terms of, I guess, confidence that could flow into the rest of the team that she scored that. Um, the Gilnick header, as I said, well taken. And they they were peppering them with shots from the opening minutes. Um, they really were dominant in this game, which is why I'm also, you know, would also say that Western Sydney just didn't seem at the races. Um, but, yeah, this is the type of performance they need to have because, you know, they've generally been in games or at times they've dominated games. Um, watching both the women's and men's Melbourne Victory team this season has been an experience in that regard. Um, but this was the game they needed to have, I think, where the shackles just come off, you bang in a few goals, you get your confidence up. The Gilnick banger is just sort of the icing on the cake in that regard. But... There were all different types of goals. It wasn't just set pieces. It wasn't just scrappiness. Like there was a bit of everything. There was desperation for the first goal. Um, the the class that you had from Mikel and Knight for those couple of set pieces and, you know, the other players doing their jobs. Um, and then, yeah, a bit of just sort of individual brilliance from Emily Gilnick to, to wrap things up. And I, I do think their fortunes really hinge on Emily Gilnick's fitness. They look so much better with her as the focal point of that attack. I like Akina. I think she's a good sort of scrapper to have to come on and can pinch a goal or can keep opposition on their toes. And I actually preferred that to, say, Rachel Lowe playing as a nine. Um, I think having Gionic as the striker allows Lowe to play in midfield. And she really has been one of their, you know, their best players this season. Chidiak, actually, I thought, really found her feet in this game. That pressure that she showed for that first goal just, yeah, underlines her qualities. So... Yeah, I think it's an important step. I, I wouldn't go full on in on the Vaca back, but geez, that's an important step in terms of getting back to where they want to be. Sam? Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, I think this this game was more of a like Wanderers kind of shooting themselves in the foot game than a Melbourne victory just absolutely pummeling them game. Um, because most of those goals were very preventable, I think. And they, the team, the players will know that, you know, like they were, they were pretty scrappy. They should have just thumped it away when they didn't and things like that. Um, on Melbourne victory, I do absolutely think that Emily Gilnick, not just being fit, but being used in this way solves so many problems that they've been having, um, I think we spoke a couple of episodes ago about how we thought that, well, I thought anyway, that Melbourne Victory had too many midfielders and they didn't actually have, had too many midfielders and too many wingers, but they didn't have a centre forward. And I think Emily Gilnick coming in and being able to sort of like shadow that role in a way, it it helps them so much. It finally gives them direction. It gives them someone who um, has experience in that space. You know, she has played as the centre forward for Victory and for Brisbane Raw before. And performed really well there. And I think her um, combination play with Mackenzie Wynott as well is really important. I think Wynott was was excellent. She's been one of Victory's best players this season, I think, even though she hasn't maybe been scoring um, as recently as what she did in the start of the season. But just her energy and her fight and her um, determination to constantly be trying to create things, I think, is is really important. Um yeah, so it was great, and it was it was important, I think, for Gilnick's confidence to be able to have a performance like this as well, where, you know, maybe it was just the sort of like the, a, the, a bit of a panic, not just from her but from the whole team, a bit of a panic of knowing that the the ladder is so tight at the moment that they they literally have to fight for every single game now if they want to stay in the top four or the top six, because um, if they had lost this game, they would be mid table at this point, uh, considering the way that other results fell. So. Yeah, credit to credit to the players for um, finding that. That I mean, finding panic is not hard, but like embracing the 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 necessity of this moment. I think, um, yeah, it was great. It's a shame that the Wanderers kind of capitulated the way that they did. Um, it was a pretty slow, like fatigued kind of performance. They just really looked off the pace for the vast majority of the game, which is a shame. But um, I don't. Ex- I, I expect this to be a bit more of a blip than maybe a, a slow slide, as what we're seeing with teams like Perth Glory. Um, yeah. So other than that, it was a good, good, good game. Woohoo! I just feel like it. 
it's not like we're so back, but it is kind of like, ah, uh, are we doing this again? Are we like a victory going to call themselves? Like, is this the, the, the steady ascension that we've seen a few seasons now of maybe not the best performances, not the best results, but Jeff Hopkins and the team finding a way to get it done. I think, yes, probably. Um, which is nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm just like kind of excited to see them play good football. So I hope that that can continue because it's been a little bit frustrating. Like Harris said earlier, um, being a victory fan this season. So if, um, that can kind of hang like, yeah, if that can continue, that'd be great for me personally, but for victory and for everyone else, I assume who likes victory. And also they knew they had this pressure on them. They've got, if not the best squad in the league, it's certainly a top three squad. Like it shouldn't be a team that's scraping into the six, right? This should be a team that's not just contending for the top two or three, but they should be firmly in the race for the Premier's play as well as going for the championship. That's the sort of expectations they have as a club, much like a Sydney FC, much like a Melbourne City, been given the resources, given the players. Um, you've got, you know, an Alex Chidiak to come in mid-season and we don't need to go into the, the maybe the teething problems they've had with that, but pure quality of players alone, they would all know the expectations on them. And as Sam, you said, like this game, if they'd lost it, you're right back mid-table, but all of a sudden they're not that many points away from the top again. So um, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, and we'll talk about it with your Perth glories and the likes. I think also Melbourne City and Western United come into this as well. Um, managing this longer season and knowing that it is more of a marathon rather than a sprint and being able to keep picking up these in one way, picking up these results mid-year are going to be really important, but also maintaining the momentum so that you keep on picking up big results at the at the back end of the season when, you know, some good players come back, other younger teams are more likely to drop off, um, timing your run. It's all going to be super important, and that's something where I think if you're Victory, if you're Sydney FC, those two teams in particular with mature bodies, players who've sort of been there, done that in different leagues, you can feel really confident going into the back end that you're going to set yourself up to succeed. So, yeah, it was a huge game contextually, I think, for Melbourne Victory. A hundred percent. And obviously um, we're heading into an international break, but once we are back, we've only got five games to go. So we really are kind of home stretch of this um, title race, which probably leads us to a couple of other games we had Melbourne City and Adelaide playing out a 1-1 draw which is probably not what City wanted in terms of their push uh, for the Premier's plate but Western United's 3-0 win over Wellington that that will please them very much Um, we kind of talked about it last week but is it once again Western United's kind of um premiership to lose because they seem to be peaking at the right time they've hit the top of the table it is very tight at the top but especially after um a performance like that on the weekend wellington's kind of woes aside um is it is it western united should we all be kind of like are they going to finish what they started kind of last season and go all the way i'm really liking what i'm seeing from them now i think this is five wins in the last five games, Cat uh, Smith has clearly done some magic behind the scenes since signing on, which is fabulous. Um, this was a really fun game to watch. Like, even though the stats, when you look at them, it makes it look so lopsided in terms of Western United just absolutely dominating Wellington in every potential category, it was still a really competitive game. Every tackle, every moment was like something was happening. And that's a credit to Wellington as well, because they are still a great team. But they have just, same as Perth, they have just lost their goal-scoring knack. They just, they've just forgotten how to shoot the ball at the goal, which is a real shame because they've got some really talented players up there who, you know, we've seen that they have been in and around conversations for, for player of the season for Wellington, but they're just not doing anything anymore, which, is, which sucks. But, you know, Western United were, they were so good. They were so, like, like holistically good. Like, every player was doing exactly what they needed to do. They had such good chemistry. Everyone understood their role. They all understood their combinations with each other. 
Chloe Legazzo was unbelievable. I'm so glad that she's been called up to the Matildas because she has been really at the heart, I think, of this resurgence that we've seen from Western. Um, it's great to see Hannah Keane scoring some more goals as well. Yeah, like everything about them was just, they they just looked like a team who who had the kind of confidence that they had last year. You know, like even though they came in as the newbies and there were no expectations on them, they played with a bit of a swagger. And I think that energy and that sort of self-belief really drove them, especially in those kinds of crappy, scrappy games where they weren't maybe the most beautiful football team to watch, but they just had... They had that dog in them, right? They had that, <laughs> and that, and that was able to get them through. That was able to, they were able to get all the way to the to the grand final as a result of that kind of attitude. And it seems like they've really rediscovered that again with Smith at the helm, um, which is great. And it's it's it, like I don't think any of us really expected Weston to be in and around here at this point of the season um so yeah good on him i'm i'm really keen to see what the next couple of rounds holds for them because if they can continue at this pace they'll be hitting finals man with as probably the most informed team of the comp i think wellington we have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt just because all those players go away for football ferns yeah. duties albeit i agree they have been on a bit of a slide um and that's one of the young teams that we talk about that it's hard to maintain the momentum all season. Congratulations to the Football Ferns, actually. Secured qualification um, yeah, to the Paris Olympics. And I think it was Stoddy's 100th appearance as well. So we love that. Sorry, Marissa. That's, I know that's your thing, Centurions. But, um, yeah, fantastic all round. But, yeah, on Western United, I agree. I think Cat Smith deserves a lot of credit for, one, rolling with the punches of what on earth, whatever on earth happened with her Wanderers exit. And taking the helm at Western Yard, which is a big deal. Like Mark Torcaso, you know, set up that program. He's a huge figure in it. You know, it'd be very easy for things to to crumble when you lose the person that sort of set it up because, you know, you, you make a team in your image and all that sort of stuff. But she's come in and I think actually made it better because early on in the season under Mark, Hannah Keane was playing wide. I'm not really sure what was going on there. It was Chloe Legaza sort of as a sole nine. It wasn't working in attack. And, you know, to be fair, she's put Hannah Keane back you know, more central where she thrives, where she scores goals. Chloe Lagazzo has been sensational. Um, Grace Ma, who got mentioned off the top, um, moved to Western to play as a centre-back. I imagine thinking if there's anywhere she's going to put her name up for a Matildas, that's it. And to be fair, early days it was pretty shaky with her and Alana Cern as the centre-backs, but credit to, to First Mark, but also to Kat for sticking with that and seeing it through because, one, you've got – um, a really good ball player in Ma, but also they've been very sturdy defensively. I'm going to be fascinated, though, to see what happens now Hilary Beale is leaving because you talk about that swagger and that presence, Sam. A lot of it does come from the back with Beale being so solid, such a big totally. presence, a big character. And we know Alyssa Deloste is, is capable, but I think Hilary Beale is on another level as a goalkeeper, right? And when it's going to get tight and you get towards finals and even just some of these real sort of scratchy moments that you've mentioned they've got through, having someone as good as Beale just can be the difference. Um, so it, I reckon that's a, there's, you know, they've acknowledged what a blow it is, but I think it's an even heftier blow than maybe some might realise just what she delivers in terms of experience, quality, presence, I think is is huge. But yeah, I, I think Western have every reason to believe they can be there. We talk about, you know, teams with mature bodies, teams that can deal with sort of difficult moments in games or in the season and push through. They've got a lot of players now um, that have either had that last year of experience, you know, your Tarantos and that who and and Keane who've proved people wrong. But in terms of players that have got a lot of experience, Legazo, Ma, Vlanic all have plenty of A-League women experience. Um, they all know what you need to do to, to win championships. I know they've got some more sort of younger talents coming off the bench. Um, but, yeah, they've got every every reason to believe they can figure prominently, right? They're set up well. They're not conceding too many goals. There's a lot to like about them. Um, and they're going to also, the news last week, is they're going to play their first game out at Tarnit next month as well on March 17, I think it is, against Newcastle. So exciting times all around for them. And you'd have to think that will give them a bit of a lift as well, knowing they're going to have a permanent home uh, very, very soon. So... Exciting times for him. I do think that 
um, the way uh, you mentioned, Harry, that they've gotten better under Catsmith, and I do agree with that. I think the way, like, the style of football that they play has shifted over the season, and it's been really pleasant to kind of see that. Like, they're a lot more fluid. They play a lot more of a passing game, and it's, I think, I'm not sure who was complimentary of this where, potentially in dub zone or on the broadcast, but someone mentioned they've got like a really great, like they've got wingers who can cross in the ball and that's obviously very helpful when you've got someone like a Hannah Keane in front of goal and you do put her in front of goal um, and that kind of thing. But it's they've seemed to like kind of add to their arsenal as well. So, yeah, I think that they could go all the way. Um, I don't know. It's a uh, shout-out to Paolo. Uh, Dolores' father, who we met again once. Anyway, um, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how they go with the the goalkeeper situation. But it is a different team to what they had at the start of the season, where where they were a bit leaky on in other parts of the field. So, I don't know. I think it. Why not? Hell yeah, go Western United. I think they can do it, and it's um it's an exciting story. I think um it's got a bit more texture to it than the the narrative from last season so yeah it's they're undeniably playing with style and it's really good to see that we did have a question from Paletti and they asked that you know barring obviously the game on the weekend the Wanderers are having their best season in a long while Western United are on top of the table was Cat Smith's departure like genuinely one of maybe the first ever win-win situations in terms of someone losing their job? Because it certainly seems that way. Well, it's easy to say that, but we don't know what she could have done with the Wanderers. Like, because mm, she was the one building true. that squad. Like, yes, to an extent, it's a win-win. And you see Sophie Harding has been called up, said that Robbie Hooker was, I think she called her mum, and then she called Robbie Hooker when she got the Matildas call up. So clearly he's gelled with that group of players. Um, yeah, I guess to an extent it's a win-win, but we still don't want to see that situation happen in the first place is probably what I'd preface it with because I, it doesn't seem particularly fair that one, that group of Wanderers players, two, Cat Smith, get put through that roller coaster to get to this point, if that makes sense. Like, you know, there could have been success at both teams without it necessarily involving, um, I'm sure, the hurt and... Uh, frustration and stress that all those individuals got put through um, days out from the season. But I'm happy that both groups of people in this seem to have come out, uh, come out the other end in a good way. You haven't seen any sort of players that have been frozen out at Wanderers or vice versa when Cat Smith's come into, into Western United. It seems to have all settled much nicer than we probably all would have thought when uh, the chaos occurred. Yeah, the ends don't really justify the means. Yeah, I think think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's great, it's great that that it's it's turned out this way. But it should it like it it really it also could not have turned out this way. It so easily could not have turned out this way. You know, Um, it's just kind of luck and maybe just the 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 luck of the timing, the luck of the the coaching appointments, and and the you know it's all these different um, factors and variations that could have contributed to where they are now. Um, yes, but it, it should absolutely never have happened that way. No. Briefly, um, we talked about teams like Western United victory. Are we all worried about Melbourne City? Um, because I am. They've <laughs> I'm never them. worried about Melbourne City in the sense that I don't care for them. Sorry, that was rude. <laughs> Sam said the president with we're the have, roar. We're going to have Brendan Burke just come and get you in your sleep. Um, <laughs> But just just very briefly, they've lost Caitlin Torpy, they've lost Pro the goalkeeper, uh, Adelaide held them to a one-all draw at home. I feel like it, it's not necessarily working. They're struggling to score goals. I know they've had the they were also affected by the New Zealand the football firm situation, but it does feel like they're really looking over their shoulder again for maybe the sort of third season in a row. And once again, it's hard to have confidence that they're not going to get caught, if that makes sense. It feels like um, we know that they've, they've really copped it in terms of injuries. We know about McNamara. They've had a couple of other younger ones that have copped it. Torpy leaving. Danny Gallich, fantastic, has just been called up to the Matildas in a training camp setting as a train-on player. I don't know if the next thing is they need to put her into 10 and think about what they do with Rihanna Policina because it feels like at the moment – 
Paulina's not in the form that she was in early in the season. They maybe need to do some tweaks. I don't know. It just watching them, it feels all a little bit off at the moment, and it's not working right when, as we just said, you need to get things clicking. Are they in danger of being late for? Well, I know they're not on top right now, but falling down a a fair way. I think so. They haven't won a game since January, like four rounds ago, I think. Um, and the games that we've seen from them since then really haven't been very convincing. I mean, my my thing with Melbourne City this season is that they, for a team so big, for a team that has so much money and so many resources, you'd really think that they would have tried harder to find a second number nine other than Hannah Wilkinson because, you know, Wilkinson being away with football ferns in this game, their, their second choice striker was Briley Henry who like, like Briley Henry thinks she's a good player, but this is Melbourne city. You're the title contenders. And this is a player who has not really shown any consistency or um, sort of like a, a kind of like a ruthlessness that I think a striker needs to have, particularly for a big club at this level. Um, so that's, and that, that's maybe partly why, like when Hannah Wilkinson has an off game, there's kind of no one else aside from Galich and maybe Ekic as well, but she's kind of slid down the ladder in terms of goal scoring too. Like they don't really have anyone else to just score goals for them. Um, and I think that, that that's that lack of depth has really come home to roost in the last few games. Um, but I do also think, Harry, to your point about the midfield, the way that they've been set up recently, maybe this game is a good example. Polachina is having to do a lot of work by herself, like a lot of creative work. And, you know, I, I really love Laura Hughes. I really love Leah Davidson. But the two of them together are almost too flat. You kind of need to have someone who's a little bit more sprightly in that midfield to kind of compliment Polachina, to have someone to play off her. Um, and to to act as a, another attacking player because at the moment both Davidson and Hughes are not those players. They can be, but they they're just a little bit too withdrawn. They're I think, too to... bit too samey together, right? Too like, samey. I, I thought too they looked samey. better. I think Laura Hughes is a super player and was very good at Canberra for a long time. But for a long time, sorry. But uh, Davidson, I thought was a real barometer for them last season. Apart from you know mm. when get McNamara back, she was excellent and sort of dropped off this year. I think maybe they were hoping Letitia McKenna could be that player you're talking about, Sam, with mm, that burst of mm. attacking flair and creativity. I think Danny Galich is going to be, well, we all know she has the potential to be an absolute star and is probably the, the future as far as a, a 10 goes, but she's yeah. having to get pushed out to a wing a lot. So it's, yeah, and I'm not sure you necessarily have the running capacity that you need against some other teams if you were to play Polisina and um, and Galich next to each other, right? Because Galich is very young and, you know, Polisina is – you know, she's your creative playmaker. She is not your mm. big engine running machine midfielder, right? She's not going box yeah. to box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's maybe just flawed. So, yeah. yeah, I think it just kind of needs. It just needs like a. It's not like a. It's not like a system tweak. It just needs like a bit of a personnel tweak. I think both in terms of their centre forward and also in terms of their midfield combo, because. It just feels like maybe bringing one or two more players into that same system, not having to fix anything else, but just players with different kinds of attacking profiles would completely change, I think, the the whole vibe of, of Melbourne City. So, yeah, I'd be really curious to know what the plan is going forward for the last five rounds. Um, they obviously don't have time, I guess, to bring anyone in. So how do you solve this problem with the players that you have at your disposal right now? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to say anything because I'll just be petty. So. <laughs> There's no need to be mean. Um, let's move right along then to one final game from this round. It was the Mariners getting up uh, 3-1 over Perth Glory in the uh, dub after dark game for the East Coast here. <laughs> Mariners. Sir, like we had a question from the Marty Mariner show. I can only assume Marty, big Mariners fan. Um, and they were asking that, you know, Kaya Simon's getting back to full fitness. Things seem to be clicking. Emily Husband's got this team working really, really well. There's depth to this team. 
are the Mariners going to do... Well, first of all, are they going to make finals? And are they going to do something in finals? Because I think finals, yes, I would happily lock them in. But can they actually do something once we get to the end of the season and into the final series? I think they're going to make finals. I don't know. I feel like they've just been like the little train that could this season. Very consistent, very clear game plan. Uh, They've got some great players who know exactly what they're there to do and they've been able to kind of build the combinations to unlock them Um, as well as like we've seen some real flashes of individual brilliance from the likes of Ergamal, um, Batawea. Uh, So yeah, I, I think that they can make finals. I think it's a good point in terms of, I'm trying to think of like a team that could, when you look at, say for example, even a Western United, they've only been in the comp, what, this is their second season, but they've already got finals experience. You look at a Sydney, like it's hard to imagine um, a Mariners being able to contend with a team that has that level of experience and understanding of finals and how to get out there and, and win that that kind of game. So I do, but at the same time, we saw last season, again with Western United, that uh, being the underdog can really push you forward and, and galvanize you in a way that's like not really accessible for a lot of teams. So uh, I don't know. I think yes, for finals and I, I'm uncertain as to how they will go once they get into finals, but I don't think it would be like a complete thrashing if they were to be knocked out early. They haven't I been thrashed all season. Sort of. They haven't been thrashed all season. The biggest loss they've copped is a three nil loss to Western Sydney. And that was one where it was, I think, two Sophie Harding goals and an own goal. Like they've generally kept things very tight, which is a really good sign heading into finals. They're not shipping heaps of goals. I think you summed it up well, Angela. They're disciplined. They know the way they want to play. Um, that really solid structured approach with some players with a good level of, of experience plus that quality on top um, with an Ergamal, Kai Simon coming in now and, she should hit her straps at the right time, you'd think. It's, yeah, they've, I think they've got reason to be excited. I don't think we need to get carried away and be like, they are in the mix to contend for silverware just yet. But I don't think anyone there would have said that's, you know, that's the overall expectation. You always go in, you know, expecting to, wanting to win and contend. But I think they can put themselves in a really good position. They've been reliable. You can kind of trust what you're going to get week in, week out. And even if that doesn't necessarily pay dividends this season, it will be such a good platform for next season and beyond. Um, and the, I think the exciting thing is they're sustaining it. They're not dropping off. They're not looking too shaky. They've just gradually built. Like they had a good start to the season. They've not had too many slumps. They It's, it's been a real you know what you're going to get. Um, I think if you were a fan of the Mariners, you'd be wrapped and proud with what they've put out in the park this season. And yeah, I think they should. They should at this point have expectations of making finals. And once you make finals everything's open for you, right? Yeah, and if you look at their run into finals as well, like they've got a pretty comfy last couple of games ahead of them. They play Adelaide, Brisbane, Canberra, and then close out the season against Melbourne City and Western, which are two teams that you know it's, they, they haven't been pummeled by. Like they drew against Melbourne City at one point, and I think they were only beaten by Western United 2-1 earlier this year. So they have every chance of making the top six, if not the top four, just depending on how those first three games go against teams that are lower than them on the ladder. Um, I'd like to point, Harrow, and, and you too, Angela, about how they have been like defensively very solid. And it's a good observation you made, Harrow, about their scores over the season because they haven't been beaten by more than a goal um, on only one occasion. It was that Western Sydney game, which is great. But on this, at the same time, they haven't exactly been super prolific in scoring goals either. They've only beaten one team by more than a goal, which was Canberra United, and that was back in December, 3-0. So when it comes to finals, like it's going to be interesting to see how all that stuff kind of crashes up against each other because you have to score goals to win these games. And if you start, like you can, you can shut them out, you can keep another team out, but there has to be a winner at the end. And whether that comes down to penalties, I mean, they do have Casey Dumont, who we know is an absolute specialist when it comes to stopping penalties. But is that what they're going to have to be leaning on? Or they, you know, can they find a second gear? I think having Kai Simon, as you said, Harry, coming back in at this point is really valuable in terms of that. 
not just in ter- like scoring goals, but a- being able to sort of be part of setting them up for others as well. I think that's another thing that maybe a lot of people don't appreciate so much about Kaya Simon is that she's actually very creative and she is a really valuable part of a build up to a goal a lot of the time. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped to see them where they are. Um, I think it's it's a real testament to what Emily Husband has done, not just in terms of the tactics, but also in terms of the recruitment, the personnel. I think some of those players are absolutely fantastic. Peter Trimus has been um, a revelation, I think, for for the Mariners for and for for the whole league. Really, um, I'm keen to see her take on some more national team roles too. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really great, and, and Bianca Galich as well coming back in after sort of being in the wilderness for a little bit is, yeah, I think it's, it's smart recruitment and it's, it's recruitment from someone who knows the MPL um, and, and who really believes in young players and in giving them a chance. So yeah, I just love everything that they're doing. Love it. Just well done, Emily. Well done, Mariners. Well done, players. Yeah. Love you. Woo. Bianca Gellich's goal on the weekend was actually very good as well. Definitely worth a mention. Um, Just quickly on that game, um, Perth Glory. Castle's crumbling a little bit considering what we saw. Yeah, it's Sorry? Sorry? Was that another Taylor Swift reference, Marissa? Castle's crumbling? Or is this are just you suggesting that, you that I've been Are you suggesting I've been doing an old pod? I know. into this entire podcast? <laughs> I know. Are you I, suggesting I've been dropping Taylor Swift references into this entire podcast? <laughs> I'm wearing a we Taylor love Swift it. t-shirt, listeners. Um, anyway, yes, yes, it was. Um, I've literally got her entire discography up on my phone to see how many I can work in. But on a serious, genuine That's note, amazing. because we've just I been talking you. about the Mariners and Perth. Does anyone have any kind of explanations for what's happened? Why things seem to be going downhill so quickly? Harrow just said it, but haven't won in seven. So it's not good. It is not looking good at all. Any thoughts, diagnoses, vibes, what's happening? I mean, they can't keep clean sheets. That's that's one thing that's not helping. It's the opposite to what Sam was just saying about the Mariners. If you conceding goals regularly early you're gonna give yourself holes to dig out of right um I think that's clearly not helping and you know maybe there's a level of the momentum and the run they were on at the start of the season was going to be unsustainable like the form of a pharaoh scoring so many goals it's very difficult to maintain that for a whole season they've had some ins and outs some injuries it's just yeah it is it is hard to pick Sam yeah, it's it's. I know, we've kind of tried to diagnose this over the last couple of episodes, haven't we? Trying to figure out what it is, what's the sort of the the the, the nugget of the problem for Perth, um, and maybe I mean looking at this game and looking at the lineup, um, it just looks quite messy. It just doesn't really look like they know what they are anymore. And Farrow, as we said last episode or the episode before you know, her drying up. It's a similar problem to Melbourne City, her drying up as the centre forward. They just don't really have anyone else. They had Susan Fonts on cam at the start, but she's kind of taken a dip. Um, and other than that, like, who have you got to score your goals? Like, you don't really have anyone who's in and around who's able to to do what needs to be done. Um, Sophia Sakalas has been in and out. You've got Hannah Lowry, who has been pretty consistent, but she plays too deep, really, to be able to be an attacking threat. You've had the Isabel Dalton who's come in late. You've had the Keanley Cazado who's come in late. And it's kind of just like mushed things up a bit too much and they've lost a bit of clarity maybe about the best way, the best combinations of players and the best sort of style in which they need to be attacking these games. Um, and it's a bummer that, you know, they, they've they really struggled to keep clean sheets because I think Morgan Aquino has been really good. She's been one of, the, one of the better goalkeepers in the league, you know. So, you know, to be sort of... At, at the at the helm as this team has started and, and started to slide down the hill is is a real shame. That's got to be a real hit to the confidence. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's good to see Farrow you know, scoring for the first time in a long time um, against the Mariners. You could see that it was kind of something that was, you know, sometimes you see a striker who, you know, they, they start the season really well, they're scoring freely, they're having a lot of fun, and then something happens probably psychologically to them where they just take a hit of confidence and 
it, it almost like you can see it manifest in their body. Like they, they almost like start to play differently. They start to play a little bit more kind of pressurized. They're, they're a little bit more scared. Sometimes they play a little bit too, too kind of rough and determined because they just want to try and like thump through the wall. That's, that's, that's sort of in front of them. I feel like Pharaoh's sort of navigated that over this season. She's kind of gone through the, all the different stages of grieving after she kind of hit that psychological wall. And hopefully for her sake and for Perth Glory's sake, this goal against the Mariners is kind of the freeing up of that. And she can start to play a little bit more like she did at the start of the season, but that also requires the players around her playing like they did at the start of the season as well, which is the real real sort of like the shaky thing about a, a team sport like this. Right. Like you can be the, the greatest goal scorer in the league at La La Michelle Heyman, but be playing in a team that is not quite doing the rest of the work. And so you find yourself near the bottom of the ladder. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was a big rambling non-answer, but if anyone else has any theories, I'd be keen to hear them. No, they're just playing. It's not working. It's just not working. (laughs) I think is, is the answer. So I think maybe initial plans got found out a bit, like as is normal, like especially in a longer season, teams figure out plan A, you have to go to plan B, does it work? You make tweaks. Players drop in and out of form. You can start red hot. You know, like a Farrow was a new player in the league. Just set it on fire for a bit there. That game she played against Melbourne City was scintillating. But teams, you know, get access to more footage. They see the ways to curb the influence of these players. You have to work out something else. Fonson Cam, early days, as you say, was red hot. So Carlos was very impressive early doors as well. It dropped off. Jale, the, the move so far hasn't necessarily worked. And, you know, we know what young strikers, young fought forwards are like it can just you go up and down form wise early days the the crazy thing about it all is they're like only just outside the top six like it's not like they've dropped themselves off so much that they're not in the mix they're eighth but they're literally one goal's worth of goal difference off Newcastle in sixth there's still time to sort it out but I still feel like you'd be pretty disappointed to be chasing tail at this point of the season when you start so well, you know. Um, they don't have long to sort it out, but they can still figure it out and turn it around. Um, whether they will, I've got less confidence than, say, a Mariners, who, as we say, have been so reliable, you know what you're going to get. It's the unpredictability with unpredictability with Perth that um, seems to be costing them at the moment. Obviously, there's one final game that we physically can't talk about because it will have to begin again sometime later in this season. It was the suspended game between Canberra and Sydney, which leads us to this week's boot. Um, Someone, please, the boot this week. It's got to be Angela, right? Like, this is your problem. Is this about <laughs> the Taylor Swift victory? No, stuff? no. The first boot is about Canberra and Sydney. What happened there? Oh, yeah, sorry. I would like to personally apologise for the weather in Canberra, a place that I don't live. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just I've been thrown under the action bus here. Um, The Murray's bus. Basically, Canberra. (laughs) You've gone into the bus (laughs) and Sydney FC players went on to Bandura. Yeah. Instead of Casey Fields. Didn't see it coming because they weren't meant to be in that part of town. But anyway, um... Yeah, uh, Canberra Sydney got delayed because of wet weather. Uh, it's very, uh, I don't know, high school <laughs> uh, soccer comp areas a little bit. Um, so yeah, because it was before the start of the first half, um, they'll have to redo the whole the whole shebang at a later date. So a boot to adverse weather. I guess a boot. We could make it serious and be like a boot to adverse climate events which are becoming more and more regular and will continuously impact on our competitions as we've seen in the past few seasons but other things like bushfires um but anyway we won't get too far into that we'll just keep it succinct and we'll 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 expand on that inevitably at a later stage um but yeah a big big old boot to canberra weather systems throwing us back yeah. Marissa, would you say that like Canberra them. will have to say to Sydney FC, come back, be here? They definitely Some will. And <laughs> actually, they'll, they'll be hoping for more um, daylight rather than midnight rain, but um, it's... <laughs> the... Even <laughs> Sam got that one. 
Stop that was good. Fun. Um, no, it's um on a more serious note. Obviously, I'm a bit worried for Canberra. Um, they now have to fit seven games into the final month of the season because of various delays, postponements, things of that nature, plus the four games they were meant to play in the final like weeks of the competition. So um good luck to Canberra United. I feel like it's gonna be a treacherous run to the end of the season for them. It's not gonna be fun at all. But And two of those games come against the Wanderers in the space of a week of each other as well. They play them at home on the 9th of March and then away on the 13th of March. So that'll be fun. Cruel summer. It's not good it's extremely cruel summer for uh Canberra United. So good luck to them. We did have a second boot. Harrow, do you wanna I I like to set set the scene here, Marissa. Uh, based on that, post yourself, please. Yeah. So, um, as you guys have maybe been able to uh tell, especially especially if you were in Melbourne, Taylor Swift was in town this weekend. She's jetted off up to Sydney to perform another four shows this weekend. Um, everyone has been swept up in Swift mania because how could you not? It is bigger than Harry Souter. Like it's just everywhere. Um, and naturally, everyone and their dog is trying to get in on the Swift Mania. I've seen corporations doing friendship bracelets that have no business making friendship bracelets. Um, morning TV shows are doing much worse jobs than we are of, you know, shuffling in Taylor Swift titles into their things. Basically, everywhere you look is Taylor Swift. Naturally, the A-Leagues are not immune to this. They posted a video on their social media of, like, drone footage from the MCG. You can see all of the lights from the Taylor Swift concert because everyone gets little wristbands that light up in different colours to, like, go with the show. It's a really cool sight. And the A-League's whole premise was, what a night on Saturday, huge night in Melbourne. You've got Taylor Swift on one side and then Amy Park is full to the brim with the Melbourne Derby on the other side. What a big night for Melbourne. Just a huge, joyful, celebratory kind of night for the best city in this country. Um, Some people took issue with this video. Um, So, yeah, well, it was interesting. It's funny, like the whole build-up, you know, we're asking because Western United played on the Friday night when there was Taylor Swift across the road and then obviously there was the Melbourne Derby and, you know, like coaches, players are all pretty light-hearted about it. Like, you know, Marco Tilio from City of the Socceroos wing is saying, well, if you're not going to Swifty, then surely you're going to the Derby. You know, that sort of fun stuff. So it was pretty um, disappointing. We saw Michelle Escobar share the, the video as well of talk of obviously the after the Derby, this is the men's Derby, um, people get – you know, shuffled back through to get to the stations and that. And some of the these are, I'd say they were mostly young men, um, were going back through past the MCG and decided to make a point of booing Taylor Swift as they were coming back through. Like there's a hundred odd thousand, 96,000 people in the MCG. Everyone's having a good night. I get it. You've just watched a very, very frustrating Melbourne Derby over the road, but let people enjoy things. And the same sort of atmosphere was coming through and I saw the, the Instagram comments of, oh, people just like that, like this anyway. But like just as someone who went to the Melbourne Derby to work on Saturday night and then went to Taylor Swift the next day, I can tell you the Swifties had a better time. Um, and it was just, it's just cringe, right? Like it's embarrassing. Um, there's plenty of football fans who love Taylor Swift. Swifties who regularly go to the football. You've got a few on this pod. You've got a few on other podcasts. Let people enjoy things. You're not actually showing off how impressive a football fan or a man you are by downplaying or booing something other people are enjoying or having a great time at. You're actually just making yourself look pretty lame. And honestly, it's not great for the sport either. Like plenty of football fans are wonderful people. Um, that that derby was, you know, entertaining. There were, albeit there weren't any goals, there were plenty of chances the vibe around the area was great and it was great to see pregame, like the combination of people, people going to the sport, people going across the road to the MCG. Just let people enjoy things. You've not got anyone walking past Amy Park in, you know, sequins being like, oh, football, soccer, that's so shit. 
Like, <laughs> no one's doing that. So, like, why be so insecure that you, you feel I need to do the same going the other way? It's just pretty disappointing, eh? Like, as I said, let people enjoy things and you might enjoy what you're doing more too then. And that's why no one wanted to play with you when you were a little kid. <laughs> anyway. But also, in the words of my mother, get a life. Like, what's going on there? It's so embarrassing. Anyway, if, you, yeah, if you're puffing your chest like, out over it, like it's pretty embarrassing yeah. if you're puffing your chest out over isn't it? Oh, I booed something as some eight-year-old girls were coming out of Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> who are you impressing here? Also, uh, also. To, to Marissa's point pre-pod, don't pretend like you also haven't gone and got dressed up and gone along to an event with your friends and sung for 90 minutes uh, to chance with the whole crowd. You know, like the football fandom is, is, is you're all just Swifties, but with a team instead of an individual musical artist. Like we're all this, we're all part of the same breed here, fellas. Like don't, don't think that you're different from us. We are the same. We all see those very, very, very carefully coordinated outfits. That's right. <laughs> and that's not the Swifties I'm talking about. Like That's it. That's it. So, yeah. Very Inch deliberately God. choosing, you know, 2005-2006 debut Melbourne Victory jerseys. That's a choice, mm-hmm. honey. Mm-hmm. That's a choice. Great kit. That's your era. But that's a great, great era. Um, also, my favourite part is, um, I don't want to speak for Angela, but we were both there on Saturday night, different sides of the stadium. I think I can pretty comfortably, comfortably say on behalf of both of us, I didn't hear any booing inside the stadium, so I'm really glad that, those guys, those people felt the need to do something that no one inside could even hear because we were all having a really good time inside, enjoying our life, being normal people. So So speaking of booing, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the TikToks of the the ground announcer from Flinders Street Station who's really funny. Um, He was working at Richmond Station and as people were walking out, like they were trying to separate people going to Amy and then people going to the MCG. And he was like, okay, people are going to Taylor Swift this side. And he's like, oh, this clearly isn't working. People who hate John Mayer on this side of the barrier. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, respect for that. That's that. knowing your audience. That's my how good, that guy. Um, but yeah, it was good. It's a good way to transition into some how goods after a big weekend of football. Does anyone have any to offer up to kick us off, Sam? Well, I have two how goods this week. I know oh, I'm making up you. for my, my absence from the pod last week. The first is happening over in America, and it is Bay FC just going absolutely baller with some amazing signings in their ahead of their debut season. They started with Asasad Oshwala just like pinching her, you know, from Barcelona of all places, followed up two weeks later by a world record fee for Zambia striker Rachel Kudanangi. The two of them are going to be leading this new club in the front line. I am already terrified on behalf of all of the back lines that they're going to have to be facing. It's going to be so amazing. And the fact that they've also forked out money for two, like, African women is I think something really important to mention because you often see like big money signings floating around Europe, but this is two African strikers who have shown over several seasons, not just for club, but also for their countries that they are fantastic and important to invest in. And hopefully these decisions to sign these players and to give them this platform encourages other clubs to take African women's football a little bit more seriously. So That's my first how good. My second how good is over in the Women's Super League where we got a sellout crowd at the Emirates for Arsenal defeating Manchester United. It was an like it could have been a much better game, but it turns out Manchester United are not very good, but that's fine because Arsenal were very good and their fans were even better. It was so awesome to see. Like I I was watching maybe like halfway through the first half and I just kind of took a, a bit of a step back from myself and was like, this I, like I have I've watched this in the men's Premier League since I was a kid, and now I'm watching women do this same thing with this same noise, 
the same like vision of the whole stand up to the ceiling being full of people like how fucking awesome is that you know like we're finally here I'm finally at this place where I've I've dreamed about women's football getting for such a long time so shout out to to Arsenal as a club their fan engagement has been second to none not just in England but around the world shout out to the fans for turning out to this particular game um yeah just shout out to to the whole the whole moment because it it just it felt so special and Arsenal doing what they did as well and putting on an absolute clinic against Man United and really blowing open the title race as well considering other results was yeah chef's kiss how good absolutely how good harrow any how goods from you um geez sam's really set the bar high needed to mention a friend of the pod brandy chastain i think one how good's got to be if you haven't read it already read sam's piece on north korea's women's team it's a really interesting piece um gives some great insight if you aren't paying attention to the other olympic qualifiers that are going to be going on in asia this week i think uh well worth a read on the abc um I know it sort of came up during the the pod, but a big how good was um, Sophie Harding's uh, interview with the Wanderers Media when she got called up where she said, I believe I have to get confirmation that she works as a physical therapist, but she said, um, they asked her how it was when she got the call. Um, she said she was in the middle of a 10-hour shift at work when she got a call from Matilda's assistant saying she was in the squad uh she initially reacted by like bursting out laughing because she couldn't believe it and then she said she got a bit teary called her mom called Robbie Hooker um and let them all the news um let them all know the news the it's a really great effort because she was never in junior national team she's a late bloomer she's come through we've she wouldn't have been expecting to get the call up it's a late call up for Courtney Vine who we hope is okay um she pulled out with personal problems but um, much like Michelle Heyman getting called up, it's very much a reward for form in the A-League women. It's reward for scoring goals. Um, everything about this interview is very sweet. She was talking about how, you know, which players do you want to learn of? All of them. They're all some of the best players in the world. I just want to go in there and learn as much as I can and, um, yeah, take it from there. So, yeah, I think Sophie Harding getting the opportunity of a lifetime and realising how big it is and sort of pledging to take it for what it is. How good. It was just a, yeah, really nice throwback to another era. And, yes, we know she shouldn't be working another job. I think if her current trajectory carries on, she won't necessarily need to work another job while playing football. Mm. So, yeah, as I said, Sophie Harding getting her little moment in the sun and she's currently getting a lot of moments in the sun over in Dubai on training camp. How good. It's all sun over there at the moment, but absolutely a how good. A couple of quick ones from me. Um, we had two Centurions, I think, over the weekend. We had Courtney Vine and Mindy Barbieri bringing up their 100 dumb dumb. <laughs> we had Courtney Vine and Mindy Barbieri bringing up 100 dub games, which is always a magnificent achievement. So it's a big congrats to those two players for reaching that milestone. Um, I say it all the time. It's just we're still in a position where people hitting 100 games is just ridiculously cool. So we absolutely love to see that. And um, I've really enjoyed uh, snippets on TikTok. I haven't watched the full thing yet, but Katrina Gorey has done, I think it's Australian Story on the ABC. And so I've seen little snippets. Um, and my favourite is the love story between her and now fiancé Clara and basically Clara's like at their club in Sweden. Um, she was the player who kind of helped foreigners acclimatise to Sweden, help them set things up, do this and that. And Katrina Gorey's mum was also over in Sweden, obviously because Harper was much younger when she first moved over. And basically Katrina Gorey's mum is like to Minnie, so is there something going on between you and Clara? And Minnie's like, no, what are you talking about? And then like two le- two weeks later, it was like, yeah, I've gone on a date with Clara. See you, mum. And I just thought it was very funny and very sweet. Um, so I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I reckon it's probably going to be worth your time. So absolutely just fun, wholesome, really sweet. I've seen other clips where Minnie goes into less fun topics, but I think it's definitely worth your time. So Katrina Gorey. How good. That, that's the how good. But um, that's us done, I think, 
for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Obviously, next time we speak to you, we will talking we will be talking about Matilda's Olympic qualifiers. So we've got the first leg in Uzbekistan, Saturday, 24th of February at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And then the second leg here in glorious Melbourne, Wednesday, the 28th of Feb, another 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time kickoff. So we will obviously be talking about those games and God willing olympic qualifications so we can't wait to do that but thank you as always for tuning in we're over on espn.com.au and the espn app you can find us on spotify apple google all of the usual pod spots not google anymore that doesn't exist but that's not important um if you like what we do leave a review subscribe if you want to chat to us we're at the far post pod on all social media this night has been sparkling don't choose let it go I'm wonderstruck doing this pod with you guys. Anyway, that's me. I'm done. I'm done. See yous. Bye. Love you.